I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Rocky World Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. This week's guest was a latecomer to the pro scene, racking up 17 contests between 2011 and his final outing in 2015. Before that, he'd given a fighting lifetime to the amateur code, culminating in a Commonwealth Games gold medal in 2010. He was a leader for a new generation of Irish boxers that came along in the high-performance era and travelled the world with the Ireland team. In the paid ranks, he became Irish champion, prize fighter champion, WBC international champion, two-time IBF intercontinental champion, and he fought at the most famous arena in the world in a final eliminator for the middleweight championship of the world. It didn't go his way that night, but he left absolutely everything in the ring in New York, as he always did when he laced up his gloves. He hung them up in 2016 when, with a domestic clash with Spike O'Sullivan on the line, a neck injury got in the way. And since then, he's presumably settled into domestic bliss, husband and father. Although there was a headline in 2020 from middleweight to midwife. Eamon O'Kane, welcome to the show. And what happened there then? How did you? Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, how could I forget that? That's. Uh, I could. I had three sons at this stage, and um, we went, we decided to go for a fourth one. And um, if it was a boy or girl, it didn't really matter. But it was a uh, her, her baby Holly, who um, that was the COVID time, and it was a strange time. You had to ring before you were coming in, and we had all. We say we Nicola has been through this. Uh, three times before and we thought it was a fair idea that the baby was coming so we had to ring before you were coming in so we give a call and they said well listen uh, we'll send a community midwife out to check on Nicola before she comes in because we don't want her in the hospital we thought okay but we've, you needed this need to be happening quickly so things started to move along a lot quicker and obviously she had given birth before so things happened a lot a lot smoother but um, she uh, yeah there was no time for the for us to get in a car at this stage now we had a ring and say listen things are moving a lot quicker and he says we can hear that in the background and so we'll send out an ambulance so I was on the ambulance crew rang me back or an uh, accident emergency uh, lady and she was trying to talk me through what to do get pillows and get a few different things and I thought strange and she was like get a sharp knife and I thought it's a sharp knife and, and she said a couple of pegs and I said that's you know certainly think what is these things for but you didn't have time to really understand it but um uh the and then because I lived in the country um the ambulance got lost en route to your house because there was a confusion between the names of roads or I lived on the Feeney Road and that was there was two Feeney Roads our road was a road off the main Feeney Road and uh 
they couldn't find her house. So I was trying to give them directions and she was trying to give me uh, directions as well at the same time. So um, by the time the ambulance landed, Holly, her baby girl, was uh, head was out and they were coming up the stairs to the stage. So, um, yeah, as you say, I was titled a midwife, but it was the girl and girl on the phone on the 999 or A&E or whatever, or the lady, she was fantastic because she had to talk me through everything. I'm I'm a boy that pats you in the back and says you're doing a good job, keep it going, you know, you know, can I grab you a pillow or something like that? Not to do it. So um no, everything went well, Holly came out good and thankfully um uh my wife got through it well enough. So she's the real hero, believe it or not, no pain. Absolutely. Goes, absolutely. Oh wow, yeah, God, no epidural or anything like that, nothing, straight in. Nothing. No. Uh did 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 your boxing career like you fought at some of the biggest arenas in the world, like you Fought at the Motor Point at the the Odyssey Kings Hall, uh, Madison Square Garden. Did did the ability to be calm in chaos help you in the in those moments? No, no, because it's the team was running. It's like if you're not, it's like a, yeah, I was used to that. Not not that I always was fighting in Madison Square Garden, but I was used to. To me, you blocked out all the rest of that stuff that was going on around. You know, all the everybody, the picture taken and the crowd and all that. I was able to focus on the fight, and this was something out of my comfort zone completely. You know, I, you know, as I said, we had given birth, or my wife had given birth three times before. But as I said, I was only there and just support, no, no uh, uh, guidance in any way, and wouldn't want to be put on that place to give guidance for anybody. But um, you just as fight or flight, and, and you know, she was brilliant. You know, no, no painkillers, no nothing. There's usually no epidural, no nothing. You know, give them birthday. She was a big girl too, so now everything was. Um, we're blessed. So we're lucky. That's great. That's great to hear. As I alluded to in the uh, in the intro, you hung him up in 2016, and uh, it feels like a while. You know, it feels like a while ago. You're saying before we uh, came on record, like seven years it goes by in the blink of an eye. Have you put boxing kind of behind you now, or do you have? Do you keep an interest in it? Do you do anything with the club, or do you go to the shows, or is it just kind of a part yeah. of your life that you've moved on from? Um, you know, it's been a massive part of my life. I'm hard to move on from it mm. because people that would don't know me bump into me. You just recognise you as the boxer, but um, uh, I don't think boxing will ever leave me too far away. But uh, my my job is away from home. It's in, at the minute it's in London. It's really my father has a and my uncle has a, a construction company, a concrete company, and um, we would uh, M and L contracts and we've. Uh, well, we're at the minute we've done full football ground there recently. We're working at Anfield ground and we're a minute as well as West Trade and Leisure Centre. Um so doing concrete and reinforcing and waterproofing. So um that's a complete uh, uh opposite if you want to call it from yeah, the hard boxing. But um and uh, it keeps you away from that sort of circle. But listen, my friends I'm a fan of boxing, but my friends like Mick Collin and all that are are still still Burning the burning the, the torch, if you want to call it. Yeah, that. absolutely. I'm a, I'm a fan, as well as a, a friend to be supporting them. So, um, but you, listen, I, I love boxing. I love watching. I, all, I tune in. I buy all the the big fights, and um, I uh, I love boxing as well. So I'm never that far away from it. But I'm not involved in it. I'm not coaching or I'm not doing anything like that because it's a thing that would take for me. You need to be nearly more committed to be a coach than the actual boxer. Because you need to be there for as much as them, if not more, because you have other boxers as well. So, 
not it would be it wouldn't work with the job that I have at the minute but uh, but it's uh, if anybody ever wants any guidance or, or any help from my point of view I would definitely give it but um, just with the job that I have it's just unable to get involved in it more yeah so is it uh is it a bit like your boxing career? Because I suppose when you're you're from Derry, you've you've a family, you know, you've your family are starting to become all grown up now at this stage. Yeah. Um, you used to have to go down to Dublin to train. Then you kind of you at the tail end of your career, you were boxing in a Swindon in uh, mm-hmm. with Paddy Fitzpatrick. So you've always kind of had to be on the move. Is it is it almost? Uh, I suppose you got used to being away. What what's your schedule like now? How how long do you spend in London? And do you get back to Derry uh, much or? Um, well, you know, the last couple of weeks I've been over Monday and back on a Wednesday. Again, it's, it's, I'm you're still working. You know, Thursday and Friday and Saturday, uh, over the phone and organizing things and different stuff, bits and pieces. But um, uh, it's uh, you're trying to balance family life just like it wasn't the boxing days. Boxing days I was away Monday to Friday, like over in Swindon the last week in Dublin. You were down there Monday to Friday with the high performance team. Um, so relative from 2008, I've been away. I retired from boxing. I got straight across back into work, and we were on straight over to a job in Edinburgh. So it's similar, and then times always, but uh, a bit more flexibility because whenever I come home, I still had a train, and I had a sweet tooth. So I always snuck out to do an extra few train sessions, so I could get an extra, extra bit of sugar into the body. Um, so uh, you're yes, whenever I'm home. I try and get a bit more family time. You're boxing since you're six years old, and obviously Derry has a great history with boxing. Like you've got role models there from, you know, guys from a few years before you, like Charlie Nash, then a couple of years before you, like John Duddy, to of your generation was Paul McCluskey. Yeah. So you had a, you had a great kind of path to follow there in Derry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know, you're 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 chatting of legends there. Own. I was lucky enough that uh, uh, Paul McCluskey and John Duddy were you're only a few years ahead of me. Charlie Nash was there guiding and coaching at the, the stage, and he's an absolute gentleman as well. But I would say uh, Paul McCluskey was, was a role model of mine, and he was a great example. He was an awesome trainer, and uh, he was he was a star for me, you know, especially for somebody that had been given achieving what he achieved. So he was setting the bar for 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 the rest of us to follow. And um, yeah, it was good. It was only a couple of years ahead of me because there were. I think that the senior ranks, I had a, I had a top, top senior boxer to, as an example, to have how to train and um, we were sparring together. It was only a couple of weeks below me. So the speed of him helped the, I had to react a lot quicker to be able to uh, uh, keep up with his speed. Um, so it, it, it sort of worked well. That's the John Duddy was only on the road. John was coming out to spar with Paul and then I joined him with that sparring as well. And then I got to, me and me and John Duddy were the same weight, so I boxed John one year in the seniors. And I was only just relatively new into the seniors squad, and I, I, I got beat, but it was a good fight. And uh, but John's an absolute was a gentleman, a character in boxing, a character outside of boxing. So um, I know he's got to the acting as well. So um, no, definitely they were good examples and uh, good role models. I'd say that was a complete war. I'd love to I'd love to see a recording of that O'Kane versus Duddy, uh, a Derry, a Derry Derby in Dublin. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, in Dublin. It was this was in the Ulster Seniors. I, oh, I Ulster, in, sorry. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good war. And believe it or not, you know, John, you know, I, John and Paul obviously trained a lot together. So I got a few spars with John, and uh, it it did definitely help for you know for preparation at the seniors. But uh, it was a war. 
when I was I wasn't seasoned, he was a seasoned senior, if you want to call it that at that stage, where I wasn't I was only starting to get into that senior level. So it was definitely a shock. But he I was well I was beaten, but it was a cracking of a fight. Like you, you entered into the senior ranks in Ireland and it was middleweight at the time was like a murderer's row. It was like competition was as strong at the time as it's ever been, probably at any weight. Like uh and just to look at the guys you came up against in Irish finals for, for years on end just kind of shows you the quality that was there. Like you first, I think one of your, you fought, you fought Darren Sutherland three times, yeah. Andy Lee three times. As far as I'm aware, there, prob- there probably is other encounters, other battles uh, yeah. at, just at the beginning of the high performance unit. Like you, I think there's a, there's a contest yourself against Darren Sutherland in 2000. So you, you're, you're coming up against these guys for years, 23 years back now. Yeah, yeah, it seems uh, you make me feel really old here. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Darren Sullivan, what an awesome, he was an awesome uh athlete and, and boxer. You know, he couldn't be a fan, I, I was a fan of him, you know, because he was, you know, whenever you watched him outside the ring, he was ruthless and he was, he was, he had that, if you want to call it that, uh. Uh, fan friendly style of getting getting into fights, but he was he was attractive. He was attractive boxing. He was doing it was skillful. So, um, he had all he had all the attributes of you know getting in there for a war and be able to outbox you in the same in the same respect. So, um, yes, uh, he was he was awesome. You know, so that's a, I can only uh, I was a fan. I'm just unfortunately that he was the same age and around yeah. the same era. If I had been a few years forward and back, I might have been able to get get through them, but they were, as you say, Andy Lee, Darren Sutherland. You must have been all... you must have been sick of the sight of them because I think Lee Lee beat you in three consecutive senior championships: 03, the final. Uh, I think the, the, the 04, the final, which took place at the tail end of 03, and 05, the final as well. So, like you, you must have been thinking, like, what what do I have to do to get past these guys? Uh, yeah, and and at that stage. You know, obviously Andy Lee was a star. You know, he'd won World Juniors and stuff like that, but he didn't know, you know, how big a star he was going to be and not to be a world champion. So, and look back on it, it's not something to be ashamed of. But then I just felt as though I wasn't training hard enough. I needed to do better. I can beat these guys. You know, so I suppose that's the competitiveness and most boxers that uh, they have that never pay day and never never back down from a challenge. Um, sort of attitude. If you don't have that attitude, you're not really a true boxer. So, um, uh, yeah, they were they were awesome competitors. Well, especially as like I guess you know you you were unlucky to be coming up against I suppose such high caliber guys, and it was it was difficult I'm sure to get a look in. And you had other interests outside the ring as well. You were getting you know getting your education. I think you're probably getting your first degree around then. Yeah, a couple I think and a masters as well. That's, and that's like, correct. That's correct. Yeah, you probably had the option to say, listen. I'm up against too much here, but instead you decided to keep going and keep plugging away. And eventually these guys moved on and turned pro and just your longevity and your ability to still remain there and stay dedicated and stay motivated. And you got your just rewards in the end from the amateurs. And like the guys, the guys you fought at international level, it's ridiculous yeah. reading. Like there's a uh, 20 years ago, <laughs> making you feel old. Anyway, but 20 no, years ago, 20 years ago, Andre Durell, you fought him in the USA. Yeah. That was a cracking fight as well. Yeah. James Gale, uh, 2005, George Groves, you beat him in 2007. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Pittman beat me in a Commonwealth Championship final in 2003 in Kuala Lumpur. Um, yeah, you beat, you know, these were the big names. Um, 
as you said, you mentioned before the Europeans, uh, what was there was was Vasily um, uh, Lomachenko, probably my favourite boxer. Now, if you watch, how could you not? I mean, he was entertaining then. And Uzik was boxing in the European Championships as well. Um, I beat four nation champions, you know, which was obviously Daniel Lothridge. I beat George Groves in the Commonwealth Championship final in 2007. Now, train me, George. I'm not saying that to be spiteful in any way because I'm a fan. George Groves and a world champion was amazing. And um, yeah, I was in against some big names and I was blessed and lucky to uh, won a couple of them. And I think I contested the most of them. Absolutely, like different different generations. You had a few wars with Luke Keeler, who went on to fight for a world title. Yeah, uh, you know Jason Quigley as well, who went on to have so so much success. So like the kind of from different generations in the middleweights. Of all the guys you fought in in Ireland or Britain or even the US, like as an amateur, who who was the trickiest customer and who was the uh, who's most difficult fight? Ah, uh, good question. Um, most difficult fight. Um, no, there's been. There's lots of difficult fights. Uh, whenever you box from six years old to 33, uh, as a senior level, um, I would have to say, you know, it has to rank up there between Andy Lee, Darren Sutherland. Um, obviously, Andy Durrell was, they called him like the Matrix at that stage. He was, you know, there was no hitting him and he was, he was stinging you. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of big names. I wouldn't like the uh, single one out. Single one out because it would be uh, doing injustice to another, but they're definitely every one of them. I mean, John Duddy was, I was just into it and I boxed John, and John was ferocious, you know, as well. So, with lots of lots of big names, yeah. Um, it must have been a great outlet uh, as an Ulster boxer. So, you got to, you got to sample all that international kind of boxing experience as an Ulster boxer. So, you got you, like Lee or Sutherland might have had the Ireland vest, but you're you get to box, box represent Ulster represent Northern Ireland, get to the yeah. Commonwealth Games, and then 2010, you you know you go and win the lot, beating Anthony Agogo in the final on yeah. the Northern Ireland team that had like a lot of emerging names and like stars of the future kind of thing. So you were the were you the captain of that team, I believe. I was the captain. I was yeah. lucky enough to be the captain. I think it was just because I was the oldest poking <laughs> on at that stage. But that what a team it was, eh? You know, so uh, we done. You know, three gold and two silver, probably one of the best common games teams as a men's common games. I know they were awesome there in the last one, and boxing has gone brilliant, and I'm a fan of it as well. But um, I think, uh, you know, the characters on that common game squad was was something else, and something to stand with me, and it was great to be captain of them. Um, Must have been like hurting cats, though, at the same time, because like the, <laughs> those lads went on to have great careers, but like the likes of... <laughs> You know, Conlon Barnes, even Paddy Gallagher, like messes throughout that team. Like, and uh, right. I, me and me and uh, me and Mick shared a room, and I could tell a few stories, but this is one of them we tell that part oh. of me and me and me and Mick shared a room. And um, I remember before we we had, we had won gold, oh, he was devastated and we lost his fight. And I says to him after it, this is Mick. I see, I, and he was performing unreal. I said, I can tell you're going to be a star for years to come. And I said, don't be worried. He was broken up from whatever way it was. And uh, I said, don't be worrying about it. I said, you'll, you'll, you'll come back bigger and stronger. And I, I went over to his first Olympics in London and uh, I met him. He just won the medal and we were in the crowd with his family and he came out afterwards. And he said to me, 
you said I'm a dude. Something stuck with me. Um, he, he was definitely a great character. Paddy Barnes, you can't not love Paddy Barnes. Paddy Barnes brings entertainment to the table every day of the week. Um, so in, in a training camp, he was always grumpy because he was hard to make the weight. And then the combination between him, as you say, Paddy Geller, Tommy McCarthy, winding him up. And Tommy, Tommy's a character alone as well and a great talent. So um, there was, um, he, they bounced off. Um, Troy McCullough, who was there as well. So there was there was some talent in that that Commonwealth Games team we had, and we didn't we probably didn't realize it at the time. Like Paddy Gall was a complete surprise to to gold medal and beat Callum Smith, you know, to be world champion super. You know, he's a, a super medal with never mind welterweight. That's the weight he was at. So yeah, um, you know, there was, was some there were some characters that the team, team went on, the team went on to have like extreme longevity as well like they you you've done your 10 years almost as a senior boxer at that stage but mm. nearly every, everybody on that team went on to do another kind of decade themselves as well so yeah. it's interesting so you, before turning professional you tried out the world series of boxing like what did you what were your impressions of it i know it's a long time ago now like yeah. it, it it's a shame it wasn't kind of operated or managed better because it had a lot going for it didn't it like it was pro style amateur boxing it was a good night good night's boxing to watch i remember there was one night in i think in liverpool like you had Lomachenko and Usyk again, like having both won European met, uh, gold medals era in 2008 when you won your bronze, but they were back with the yeah. WSB or no, was it maybe the York Hall actually? I think it was the York Hall. But like you, you, this brilliant entertainment, it was cheap in, or if you want to watch it at home on YouTube, it never really caught off, but it did show you probably, I'm a, I'm cut out for the pros here. You probably knew it already. Um. Well, Paul McCluskey was, was really getting into the height of his career. And he was selling things back here, starting to put on big shows back here. Um, I was, what was I? I was 26 at this stage. And, um, uh, you know, as you said, I've been on the performance team. I'd won European bronze medal or European bronze medal. Come with gold, but come off like a, the team, things were booming at that time. And it was, I was, planning to go pro. I had never no vision to go pro. My mother always said to me growing up, if if I ever think you're going to go professional, I'll never wash one stitch of your clothing. And I used to say, I promise I'll never go pro. I never really had any visions, but then I got to a stage where not to nowhere really to go. So um uh, as far as pushing the bar up, because you always as a boxer you're always trying to push that bar up. And uh why Paul, why was your mother so opposed to it? Um, just because you know you heard a boxer getting you know so much damage, and you know, my mom didn't know nothing about boxing before I started. So this is the you know opinion that people had of boxing that people come out for a brain dead and different stuff that it doesn't so much damage. Um, so uh, she obviously didn't want her son to be in that sort of state. So that was the sort of thought, and my dad had sort of talked her into that not happen because it was good for defense and it was good for growing up and good for. So um, that was the talk. So that was the, we were sort of brought up, and obviously I didn't. Whenever I started off, we didn't think we were going, I was going to have the career I had. So um, she probably thought I was going to turn professional. She wouldn't have helped me. I don't know, but um, no, that was the that was the thought they started off with. So uh, um, yeah, it was entertaining. And the, so the McCluskey, I suppose, yeah, McCluskey got his deal with kind of Matru and there was a there was a little niche you were able to slot into there as well. And I suppose the performances in the World Series showed as well. You can you can really do it there. And and, and then the World Series was definitely a great was a great example for me. It was an introduction at the professional box, no headgear, no vest. He stepped up from the three three minute rounds and it was up to five three minute rounds. 
and you're fighting against the top boxers. And well, for me, it was the it was the WSB was a Europe squad, and you qualified from the Europe squad onto the world finals. So um, I boxed against Turkey the first time, who had their vest, and then I boxed against the French. Uh, I forget who the fourth one was against. Uh, or the third one was against. Sorry, but uh, it was. Um, it was a great introduction. As I said, no headguard, no vest on. So that was a big shock to a boxer, believe it or not. You know, first time doing it. So it was uh it was a it was a great it was a great uh pedestal to be jumping straight into four ranks because I didn't have any journey fights to have or need to tech. I just jumped try to jump straight into mix. So if you that's why after I had uh was it my third or fourth fight, I was straight into prize fighters, which is probably risky mm. enough for somebody uh, early on in the pro here. So um I try I wanted things to move on fast. So it was later stage it was 26, 27, 28 probably whenever I started off pro. Um so I sort of needed things needed to happen quickly. And it probably helped as well that at that stage, like McCluskey was at the peak of his powers. But when you're at the when you're at your peak, you're never too far from coming down on the other side as well. But it, it also helped that there was a new up and comer like uh, with a high profile called Carl Frampton in there. So you made his debut on a I don't think it was a Frampton bill. It was Gavin Reese against Andy Murray, but it was uh, it was Frampton against Curly as well. Yeah, he was on the under. He was well one of the chief support. He was fighting for like what's a Celtic title or Ro- Robbie Turley anyway. And it was, it was he was the buzz at the time. Uh, like uh, the the main event was a good you know a good bout and could Andy exactly. Murray get there? Yeah, uh, yeah. And he, Andy he Murray against Gavin Reese. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely it was good to. I was obviously away from home. It was over in Wales, over in Cardiff, but it was. Uh, it was a nice show. It was matchroom show. It was on TV, so um, it was definitely good to be uh, getting a marker that I was hoping to be put into the into the big into the big shoes or the or the limelight, if you want to call it that, after the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, absolutely. So you like three fights in your first year, twenty eleven, but then twenty twelve, like what a year! You you end, I think enter into that prize fighter all Irish scene. It was kind of mad, exciting times. I remember covering it at the time, and it was uh, like in fairness, it was great crack. And all the Irish lads in it, but you know, you at the same time, like uh, you you suffered your first loss there that year. But we'll 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 talk about Prize Fighter first. Like it's live on yeah. Sky, and uh, it's live on Sky, and you win three fights in in one night. And uh, you were fairly, you had you got a bit of criticism for it. There was a fairly marauding style, and you were just taking no prisoners that night as well. Yeah. Well, the, the tactics was you you three. Three fight you you each each fight was three rounds. There was no real time to be trying to figure anything out. So it was Nugget Nugent was my coach. He was an awesome coach. Funny Hargan was my coach. I want to mention the coaches out there that I had was an awesome amateur coach. And then I turned professional with Nugget Nugent. I was with Nugget just before I turned professional. And then uh, he her tactics then was you had to be rough and ready, you know, because um, you haven't got really time to figure a style out. You three rounds in a professional fight. So it wasn't like as if I could go out and sort of feel your way out here. So the way they, the way, in a way he called it, this is what he called it. It wasn't trying to be violent in a way, but it was street fighting style as the as that as the tactic that he had. So um, I was I was up for it and I went for it, and that's sort of how it evolved. I think the characters helped to bring that out of me more. Uh, and the and you because know, with Anthony Fitzgerald, who I didn't know nothing about before. Prize fighter, even whenever I was drawn against him, I didn't really know anything about him. But then, whenever you get into, into the ring with him, it brings the worst out of you. So, um, and I, I, I'm a fan of his as well. So I'm not trying to say, but as a, an opponent, you had to be rough and ready for him. So, and then when they went, 
went from that sort of robust, sort of awkward sort of fight then to fight uh, Ryan Green in the semi-finals. And it's quite weird because normally whenever you want to fight, you go down, you take your glove off, and you get a, your gloves stay on. And you sort of have to sort of keep half sort of warm and sort of strange sort of feeling. And, you know, you don't know when to get warmed up again. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like playing a football game and then come off, so then you go back on again. And then, um, so, I'm lucky enough that we that I, that, um, I stopped Ryan in the second round, I think it was, in that prize fighter. And then, uh, and you was you against different styles, different orthodox and southpaw. So then I had um, what do you call him in the final? Uh, JJ McDonough. JJ McDonough, big awkward southpaw, and uh, you know completely every all three of them in different styles. So um, as he said, there was no point trying to. Uh, probably a good tactic. It wasn't necessarily pretty boxing. Good tactic. Forget about trying to figure these boys out. Just go out and just blitz them as best you can. Throw everything at them as far as boxing's terms is concerned and get the one. And that's what we did on the night. Was that night a little bit bittersweet? So you got the first prize uh, for a prize fighter. Was it 32 grand at the time? I think it was. Yes. And yeah. uh, But McCluskey lost in the main event against Demarcus Corley. And I remember there was a there was a weird feeling backstage afterwards. It was completely weird because, as I said, I grew up in boxing. Paul McCluskey was two years ahead of me. So he was always my idol. But, and he still. You know, still, that's my idol, if you want to call it that, as far as boxing terms are concerned. He's, he was winning whatever uh, somebody had been given that wasn't normally winning. He was always winning the Ulster titles and the A's titles ahead of everybody else. So he was a great role model. He was a great person on the side of the ring. So I had grown up through that right up into the senior ranks with Paul. And then he went professional. I stayed on amateur. So um, was you know then whenever I got into the pool rank, he was... He was in the verge of he'd fought Amir Khan at this stage and his his career was starting to, you know, obviously the injustice of the way the fight first fight was stopped. You know, it sort of set a bit of uh limelight on him. Yeah, big time. And it rallied know. the momentum for sure. Yeah. And then and then he was sort of headlining school. So, you know, as I said, Paul McCluskey's a friend of mine, he's always a friend of mine. So and a role model of mine, a boy I look up to. So him getting beaten that night was cutting for me. So I like, although I wanted to celebrate one on prize fighter, I felt it strange doing so. Um, so yes, it was a, as you say, bittersweet. Um, yeah, it definitely was. I was just, I was, I'm a, a fan of Paul McCluskey's. I was a fan, a big fan of his. And Paul, was, Paul was meant to be a tenacious enough cornerback, was he, for Dungiven? Did you play, did you play Gaelic football? You were I a played, hurler, weren't you? I played both Gaelic and hurling. Right. Um, so, uh, were you a better hurler than a footballer or? Uh, I, I made the county side for the for the hurling, so that's probably why I'd seen. I probably like to think I was equally good at the football, but um, uh, probably just wasn't. Um, yeah. I will boxing. I probably would have done better at the football hurling if I hadn't have been involved as much as the boxing. But uh, boxing was my first love, so that's there was no there was no fault there. But I still love playing. Yeah, you know, um, you know, love playing hurling. Love playing. I love playing sport. Full stop. So, um, but so you play, uh, did, you, did you play many games with the Derry? Uh, was it the senior county side or minor, or how far did you no, go? No, it was, it was minors going up through. Whenever I got to eighteen, um, then boxing really took off for me. So it took my took my focus, my all my priority went there. So um, I played my day minors and stuff, day under sixteens up to that point in the hurling. Um, but uh, it took well, boxing took over at that stage. Mm. It was always sort of taking you away from 
Gaelic and the hurling, your focus in them sports was just to get you ready for the boxing, boxing because that was taking you through the winter season. It yeah, it's still the case today. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys who have to make that choice at 18, 20, yeah. 21 or whatever. And they, they say I was interviewing a guy recently, uh, Kevin Cronin, a Kerry boxer, and he was saying how um he goes, by the time I left uh Gaelic football, I was only getting really good at it. And I think it's because I was getting better at boxing too, and the strength and condition and the nutrition that I was living, the, the life I was living was making me a better footballer. So it's kind of bittersweet for him too to leave. When he's at his peak, but anyway, hey ho. Uh, later on in that year, though, so you, you're you're on a high. I know there's a disappointment about McCluskey, uh, but sky's the limit for you. But you took a short notice fight against a guy who's still around and still at the top of his game, like 13 years on or 12 years on, or 10 years on, sorry, John Ryder, and you yes. took him on in uh, Kensington in December of 2012. Yeah. Uh, do you regret saying yes to that fight? Um, there were lots of lots of factors that that played played in that was um. I had I was getting ready for fights before that. That's if you can look in the there's a there's a good break between fights. I was going down to like Oliver Commons, who was uh thanks to Paul McCluskey, who had hooked up to Oliver Commons as a conditioning coach and nutritionist. And uh we were training and with him down in Korean. And um that's quite a it's quite a bumpy road in the way over them roads. And I uh I was uh traveling over the road one of the on the road to training on a frosty morning and it was not a frosty morning, it was a frosty cold day and it was a bumpy road and I went over the, oh, there was a high ditch on either side and I, 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 I we clipped each other at the top of a hill and the car clipped each other just, and um, he took out my back wheel climbed up on the ditch and rolled down the, down the hill sideways um, and I got badly injured probably the, what, I remember the ambulance guy telling me they come in to see me in the hospital uh, a couple of days later, and he said, he thought you were dead. He thought, first, whenever he rolled up, he seen the state of the, I was in a Jeep at that stage, uh, Land Cruiser Jeep, and he says, we thought the state of this Jeep, there's nobody living in that, so they were surprised to see I was living, and it was probably because of my conditioning through boxing that I had um, was able to survive that. But um, they said, because whatever way, what had done it, I bust the headrest and I split the back of my head on the actual headrest. So it went through the cushion and flipped my head in the bar on the headrest. Um, that's how hard it was. I was lucky. I was, my neck was so strong. So um, I had been out then for a long time. You were unconscious uh, at the time, Eamon, for 45 minutes or nearly an hour, weren't you? That's correct. That's correct. Um, I was I was really sore. I couldn't move, you know, my neck for a long time after I was in the hospital. And, and, uh, uh, it must have been I, such a worry for you and, and for your family. Yeah, I, th- I think waking up in hospital and your family sort of in tears around you is uh, a, a massive shock. You always think, as a boxer, you, it's like you, you never fear death or you never fear, but I can tell you now you have to, that. You have to live with that kind of, that, yeah. that contradiction. You know you're doing a dangerous job, but at the yeah. same time, it won't happen to me. Yeah, that's that's, that's or you're, I'll be grand, the, the attitude you always take. But uh Whenever you see your family in that sort of state after around you, it's a massive shock to the system. But from that, it took me a long time. Uh, it's a lot of lot of neck injury and a lot of time, a lot of soreness. And then fights never really happened. So, and then it was coming up to Christmas, and I didn't really think anything was going to happen. I wasn't watching my weight. I wasn't. I was just sort of taking over. And then Francie Manickel, which was my is my wife's uncle, um, he was the manager for both me and Paul McCluskey. And uh, Francis said, listen, John Ryder hasn't got an opponent. 
uh, you know, the same thing would create a bit of hype and you'd call him out and say, you know, you'll fight him. And I was sort of, he says, he doesn't think it'll happen. So I said, I'll do it. But not, not thinking it was going to happen, not really knowing if it was, because I hadn't been sparring, I hadn't done anything. And, they, and Eddie Hearns thought it would be a good fight. And the fight happened. And uh, I, I, t- I took it short notice. So initially I took the fight. And then because they were, we were both uh, boxers that were sort of on the verge of British titles, um, they decided to make it a British title eliminator, which means I needed to make the weight. So I only decided this days before the fight. So, because uh, I thought I was getting, you know, a couple of pounds above the weight, which was going to be a struggle, never mind having to make the weight. So I, I trained really hard, killed myself making the weight. And uh, I was ele- elevated to a British title eliminator, as I said, and I had to make the weight. And I was up to a 10-round fight, and I was, I hadn't boxed. I hadn't boxed, uh, you know, I wasn't ready. I hadn't trained for that. I hadn't done any sparring whatsoever. And uh, so this is my excuse, and this is reality. This is Nugget Nugent. I'll tell you the exact same, but... He he wasn't a fan of me taking it uh, because of the short notice and all the circumstances. But me being, I'll fight anybody at any time, uh, that boxer mentality, yeah. I thought, no, it's going to happen. Let's make it happen. And because I needed, it was coming up to Christmas and, you know, we needed money and there's lots of things and a lot of things that, you know, add pressure to it. So we thought I will give it a go. Do you regret it? Uh, possibly. Or I, w- I think I would have liked that fight at that time to be ready, have a couple of fights, warm up fights, because it was a you know, as you say, John John Raider's a marquee name now. You know, uh he fought Callum Smith and he fought Billy Joe Saunders and he's fought some of the big names. He's and, probably gonna fight Canelo in the next six months or something like that. You, you know, I'd imagine so, he's gonna get that shot. So, you know, was was it was he was he was he was it a fight I should have took on short notice? Definitely not, but uh, unfortunately, I had that boxing mentality, and uh, I don't think I you're said, the sort of fighter though, who probably wanted to protect his his, his zero. Though I don't think you know, maybe from no, no one we know about you that you're that sort of guy. Um, if it's a hard challenge, I'll take it on. You're used to you know really yeah. tough competition from the amateur uh, ranks, and you know, say la vie, you'll take it in the professional ranks as well. And yeah. you lose yeah. one, you don't go back to the bottom of the ladder. You're still the same person willing to fight as well. So yes, yes, so. That's what Eddie Hearns had said. He he had said at the time that you know this doesn't mean to say they're on the road for anybody, but uh, what I can do, I can take an age off your name. And your name, uh, you know, no. yes, you're trying to build a brand as a professional, as you'll see. So you're trying to, but it seems to be a big thing. This oh, um, mm. whereas some of your losses can be your best learning session. You can improve a lot from them. So I I try to take it. It was hard getting a few fights after that again, but um, it was definitely there. Regret it. Possibly. It's hard to know. You know, would I have the career that I had without it? I don't know. You'd have got bounce back though, if like uh, a Fairways Hotel beating Anthony Fitzgerald for the Irish title, Kerry Hope up next at the Odyssey. Um as well as well as uh, there was a, actually your your next fight after Gary uh, was against Gary Bolden. After losing to John Wright, it was against Gary Bolden. That's ten years ago this week. And uh, it was on the first Frampton Kiko card. Yeah. And do you know that there was five future world champions on that on that bill? What? Five, five future world champions on it. Shakers. Any chance of naming them? No. <laughs> Obviously, Darren. And, and and one future uh fellow who cha- who challenged for a world title and another who got as far as an eliminator. That'd be you. As the final eliminator. Oh, from that show. Yeah, five five future world champions on that show at the Odyssey. 2013 February. 
You're going to have to call them, right? All right. So we got the headliners, Franton and Kiko oh, Martinez. Both went on yeah. to win world titles. Yes, okay. Andy Lee, who fought Anthony yeah. Fitzgerald on the same card. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah. Lee Selby, who beat uh, Martin Lindsay, your club mate yeah. from yeah. Maculata. Yeah. And Callum Smith. Like, was Callum also Smith was, was lower, lower on the card, yeah. I think he was four yeah, or something like that. So five, I couldn't believe it. I was looking at the card there in Boxrec and I was like, oh, wow, there's four future world champions <laughs> on it. And then it kind of dawned on me. It's like, Selby won one as well. So, uh, yeah, little, yeah. Oh, listen, it's, uh, it's whenever you look back at it, I didn't even know that fact or even realize that uh, some of them were actually on the undercard at the time because you're too busy. You're focused on yourself. You have to be as a boxer. You can't think at all the rest of that goes on around you, the hype of it, the stage of it. So you have to just focus on what's going on for so you have to blink your vision. And uh it was um no, that's you you say Calm Smith, what what a quiet guy at that stage. You could have just you could have walked past him and you wouldn't even know who he was and look he ended up was it World Series champion. Yeah, he won the Muhammad Ali trophy, didn't he? He beat uh, yeah. uh, beat George Groves after Groves had beaten Eubank. Yeah, so yeah. And then put it on the line against Canelo and a poor performance that night from him, or maybe he just wasn't yeah. able to implement his game plan. But you know, he looks like he's gonna get another shot soon against Baturbiev or Bival or one of the lads. So yeah, he's still going as well. Yeah. Uh, Eamon, after after losing to Ryder, you you know, you went on you had six more wins and a draw. The draw was on the Frampton Bill against at the, yeah. the Titanic Quarter. But you picked up like nearly a new belt in every fight, you know, the Irish title, the IBF Intercontinental, WBC International. And, you know, you built yourself into a into a genuine contender. What was the highlight of those? Like, would, would it possibly be Lewis Taylor at the Lavi Centre? Because if you look back at that, like it took place on the same night as uh, Pacquiao against Mayweather. Now, probably yeah. got a bit overshadowed, unfortunately, because of the biggest yeah. fight in, in 50 uh, years was on on the same night. But... Uh, you had, you know, you had your supporters at ringside. I know, like even Mark McGuinness was there to support you, and you know, yeah. Derry came out to to support at that yeah, show. It was a, it was massive because it was because at that stage we were trying to get a, a show in Derry City for Paul McCluskey for years mm. because of being out of the remit for out of the distance for an A to be able to get to a neuro, neurological center. Um, couldn't that couldn't happen in Derry City? So, um. That's why we try to get somewhere in the closest place in the area to that with a with a decent sized hall was Lavi. And uh Lavi is in the county. It was it's only outside Maharao, the, the secondary school that I went to. And um it was a great hall for it. But th- there was the pressures to go along with that. I was headlining a show, the first one in Derry in so many years. My dad was running it. So a lot of the focus that people would have been around me helping me, their focus was in trying to get a show going on a big enough show with you had ABF officials to look after and you were trying to make the weight and you were trying to sell the show and lots of things a lot of factors going on that we would never encountered before it was so, ambitious like because you know what what you did doesn't get done you set up a promotions company I think for the fight was that the first and only outing of King Kane promotions or <laughs> that was it was one and dad. done that was my dad it was probably Paddy Fitzpatrick who had the vision uh, of of getting a fight back home? My dad definitely doesn't back down from a challenge, and um, whether it been work or, or life in general, so uh, he took on the challenge, and that's where they researched the place, the closest place they could get with a decent size hall, and affordability of it as well was Lavi, 
and um, uh, they had all the stuff to go around. So the people that would have been around me, sort of unannounced, my brother and stuff like that, who was massive to me, always my best friend, and, and was always there for me. His distraction was from trying to help get the show ready, and there's lots of things going on. But it was, uh, and Lewis Taylor was was a was an awkward style to box. I'm sure it wasn't attractive view and I can't even remember what I don't even know if I watched the video back of, of that performance but that was uh and then I had I had the the I had a the referee was Herb Foster who Paddy Fitzpatrick had the tussle with with George Groves <laughs> yeah. and and then he you know I had a, f- a few fights with him and he'd been hard on me before so trying to lot lots of things to deal with that fight um glad I come through it uh, it was a final eliminator it was because he was ranked with ABF as well Lewis Taylor so um, it was a final eliminator for for to be put in for the actual final eliminator if that's the right way of saying it yeah um, so uh, yeah it was a successful show but for me winning and but for uh, I don't know for what that wasn't good enough to make TV if that's the right way of saying it well, yeah, it didn't. I, I think I remember seeing highlights on a uh, KOTV, possibly that Channel yeah. Four series they used to run. And uh, <laughs> you know, but was that a career? Was that one of your professional career highlights? Because you had that first round knockout on the Frampton Cazares, uh, Bill. Yeah. And uh, you know, you oh, beat Kerry. Yes, and you beat yeah. um, Kerry Hope over twelve rounds as well at the uh, was that Frampton against Parody. So you know, you, yeah. you got those. You got to fight in those packed uh, Odyssey nights. Although I think maybe the Goona. Knockout was just after the main event, so maybe some of the people had left, uh, like yeah. that were Frampton, you know, Frampton devotees. Yeah, yeah of course. But you got to fight on those big, uh, those big arena stadia, uh, a big arena fights in Belfast. They must have been a good buzz as well. Yeah, I didn't even mind that. That was after. You know, I would, if you asked me, you know, I would have said that the fight was still before Frampton's fight. But um, I might be, I might be wrong, Eamon. Uh, oh, I might have been well, going. Yeah, I might, I could be wrong there. I, I, I could be wrong as well because, yeah. as again, my focus was only on the fight, but. Um, uh no, it was there's every one of them had their own wee special you know, Card Fram brought a lot of boxing for boxing back to back to Ireland, if you want to call it that. So it was great and he was hi- highlighting and made people knew so you were getting a fight in his undercarriage, so you were getting known and it was good to be and obviously that knockout you still still get people send me the highlight reel of it now and again. It comes up on your your uh WhatsApps. Um but uh my what would be my highlight? Uh, it was good to see a boxing day. I can't say the performance of the fight was my highlight of my career. You know, there's some of my amateur amateur things was, you know, obviously Commonwealth Games gold medal 2010, European bronze medal was good to do. Um, Four Nations champion, beat the boy Daniel Guthridge, who was the ABA champion at that stage. Uh, beating George Groves was a highlight as well. There's lots of things that I, I can't say there's one. MSD was definitely something else. You know, you beside Bernard Hopkins and Oscar De La Hoya at the weigh-in and, and uh, then come over Patney in the back and stuff like that. And, and then obviously Triple G and David Lemoe fighting for the for the world title belts. And, yeah. uh, you know, the stage and everybody, you know, Madison Square Garden, first time there. You've heard, you know, uh, I wasn't able to afford to go for, to watch any fights or be there before. So, I, but I knew the magnitude of it. Um, yeah, because so, like, you got there. You were you were a fighter with very little promotional backing. You did work with Eddie Hearn at stages. You had, 
you worked with with Barry McGuigan at different stages, yeah. but you didn't have a full time promoter. Yeah. You're fa- family managed, um, effectively kind of self made in this boxing business, and uh, but you maneuvered yourself through, I suppose, through taking clever fights and you know winning your biggest tests, and you get yourself to this IBF final eliminator. Like if you'd have won that fight against Turiana Johnson, it was Gennady Golovkin next for you. <laughs> I know they would have been thinking, how do how do we sell this show? <laughs> Somebody we don't know yes, even O'Kane character. Yeah. Um, I would love to have it went differently. I would love to have that challenge. You know, as a as a competitor, you know, that's stuff that you dream of. And it was, you know, if he had told me I was going to get the Madison Square Garden a world title eliminator, I would have taken up grabbed it with both hands, starting off as boxing. But as I said, whenever you always get you want one thing, you always, I think that's what makes you a boxer is the competitiveness in you. You don't want to always beat yourself. You're always trying to beat yourself as well as beat your opponent. Beat what people say you couldn't achieve. And one an A's title, people didn't think somebody from given could win an A's title. Never mind to go on to, you know, for me, to win Commonwealth Games gold medals and win European medals and win ABF Intercontinental titles and, and, and WBC titles. So these are, I, I achieved things more than I ever dreamed I would achieve. Did you bring a big uh, crew over to New York for the for the fight with Johnson? Um, again, Paddy Fitzpatrick was brilliant. He was a guy that he was with you with you heart and soul. So, um, he had you focused. He didn't want me to get overawed by the stadium, and I wasn't really. I didn't, and he was able to focus on, and he didn't really have, didn't have let me have any distractions. So I like to after a weigh in, I like to go to the movies and watch eat a bit of popcorn and watch a few movies and switch off and he mature everything was there for me and able to do that i was able to keep up my diet to uh, conditioning coach and i returned pro was a white guy all over comments um yeah what a what a guy and what an educator of life and nutrition and training and conditioning because on how i made my weight as a amateur he then evolved that into doing it professionally and i think it could tell in the weigh-ins and the condition i was under my fights I was able to transfer my power across better. But uh, so, as I said, Madison Square Garden, going over there, I was just focused on the, the diet plan that all had given me. Paddy Fitzpatrick, mature. I was on the game plan with three different stages. He had me rehearsed. We're going to do this at this time. You're going to go here at this time. You're going to get to watch a movie at this time. You're going to eat this. You know, so um, I didn't get overawed by it. I didn't probably realize the magnitude of it. It was a world title eliminator and the biggest hall in boxing ever. And the big open hall, 20,000 people there as well. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And sold across you know, world TV. And uh, you don't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take it on at that time. Probably still don't really you know, realize the magnitude of it. But, um, did you get yeah. caught cold, or did, did so? The, you're not. You don't think the moment got to you because you got knocked down twice in the first round. Nightmare start. No. So if you actually watch the fight, which I've only watched, believe it or not, I'm going to say two, three times. Um, as uh, or defense is he, he was a bully. You know, he he was he was a guy who always tried to blitz you. I was always good with the high guard. So the idea was to get low with high guard. Put him on the back foot. He was never had idea because he make make something that make him uncomfortable. That's something that he wasn't used to. So we would try to push him back and be aggressive back with him. You know, take the hustle, and bustle, take as much as we can. 
But he did something that we hadn't sort of counted for, or he hadn't done before, is he started switching around the back of me and around the side of me. And he was punching me. If you look at it, I might bear it up, and he was punching me in the side of the head of the year. At that stage, it's a great tactic, but not great for your health, is what is uh, is uh, your ears are closest point to your brain. So I've been hit some big shots. As I said, Darren Sullivan was a massive puncher. You know, Darren O'Neill was a big puncher. You know, I've been in with some big guys, sparred with some big George Groves, big punchers. I, you know, I've been hit some big shots and I could take them. He was hitting me and it wasn't, I knew it wasn't being hit big, but I was dizzy, it was lightheaded. And I couldn't understand it. it. Wasn't to the swell. He was punching me in the ear, which is the closest point to brain. Michael Abraham was sort of upset. That's why it was sort of, it was like as if somebody was shaking the ground underneath me. I knew it wasn't hurt. That's what was the, what the most uh, 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 confusing thing to me. Um, it wasn't to the swell had gone up. Uh, I know this now after the swell had gone up, the equilibrium balanced itself that I was able to sort of then, because he continued to do that throughout the fight. I knew he wasn't a massive puncher. He wasn't, as, he's not as big a puncher as uh, even Andy Lee, Darren Sutherland, as we talk about, Darren Neal's a big puncher. You know, all them guys were are big punchers. He to me he wasn't as big a puncher as them, but he was he was he was a badass if you want to call it that in the ring, and he was intimidating. And he he switched his feet and he he boxed was he, his own Was he a talker in the ring? Uh, Have you had he, many talkers in the ring? Ah, uh, well, you, you your voice says certain things. I was always good at. And to me, if they're talking, they're they're upset. They're trying to do something else because they're having problems with me. So I try to feed off that. If they try to talk to me, you did. Um, I didn't really let it, you know, uh, bother me in any sort of way. He would have talked a lot of shit before, and he was always sort of looking down at me as if I was scumming the bottom of the shoe. But I suppose that's the boxing thing to do, really, isn't it? As if you don't really respect your opponent and you're not worried about him. So, um, no, I didn't really let that get to me. But it was it was good tactics by him. It was obviously they knew I was going to come forward at them, and they were switched around and come at me at the sides. I just, if you look at my face, it's really badly swollen after the fight, and that's because he was punching the ear, and the swelling was coming out of the ear. The swelling was sort of coming on my chin, believe it or not, like as if I'd thrown a pile of weight. And um, uh, if you look at pictures after it, you'll see me in the ring with my jaws like slightly swollen, and that's just because he was punching me in the ear. You must have been proud of yourself to go the distance in that fight because if your equilibrium is messed up from the first round and obviously there's an unwanted record from, from the fight. I think, did you know about this? He hit you with, I think, like a record number of power punches <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. I think uh, beating really Bernard Hopkins it. record. I, I had, uh, I had, uh, I was in a watch back a couple of times now, two or three times. Um, and uh, that's the guy on the TV. You can hear him giving that stat. Out after and I'm thinking that's one of the most embarrassed things to you that I took that many shots. You're supposed to be you'd be proud of that fact if you were the one giving it, but not the one taking it. And it, like, can you like every boxer has stuff that you know they look back on and they enjoy, and you know everybody everybody has to lose sometimes. Can you take all that stuff with great or with, with a pinch of salt and then go look at it? it is you know I can live with it. It's it happened at the biggest stage in the world. Uh, or are you still thinking, damn him? Ah. Uh, would I like to go back and change it and do it differently? Of course I would. I think that's a competitiveness on it. Um, I'm, you know, I was 33 at that stage. And to go down, work my way back up again, was never really going to happen. You know, um, So I had to move on my life. Um, too many people around my family, my wife, had all sacrificed a lot for me to try and have a career in boxing. And we, we give it a good go. So I don't, I don't have any regrets, no. 
but would I like to have done things different? Definitely. <laughs> um, but uh, that should have, would have, could have never. Yeah. Really, it, it? It, it has to be a selfish sport. Don't, you have to take care yeah. of yourself first because if you don't care, your, if you, you don't take care of yourself first, you're going to pay for it in the ring. So right. uh, naturally, the people in your life have to kind of suffer from that, for that and have to be there to back you up and have to be there to help mm-hmm. you. So a lot of boxers would say it afterwards that they're just, you know, delighted to get back. They can give back to their partners, I guess, that because they've yeah, been given so much. Because you, you probably presumably had a couple of kids at that stage as well. And I had two boys, yeah, yeah. two boys. That's a Charlie and Oscar, and uh, they were young. As I said, my wife done a lot of their lot of the work for them, and we wanted uh, more children. So we had to be around for that to happen, you know, as well. So um, between the full time training and living in other countries, um, like that for my last fight. I was I would have went across with Paddy Fitzpatrick and George Groves. He was getting ready to fight Paddy Jack. We went to Big Bear. We were actually training in, in uh, Golovkin's gym in Big Bear for the last three months, um, getting getting ready for New York. And um, uh, my wife is at home, uh, looking after two children on her own, and they're growing up without a daddy relatively at that stage. So you can you can I can imagine and I, I tip my hat to all single parents out there because it's tough. You know, so um you know my wife never get never get any accolades for what she was trying to battle with. She was fighting along with this battle along with me as well. So and obviously that I was taking that strength into the ring with me as well. So no, it was definitely there was uh, a lot of sacrifices on the end of my you know my father my mother, my father especially, he ran me around the country, sparring here, down to Dublin, up to Belfast all the time, you know. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have achieved what I achieved. I wouldn't be the man I am today without all them people being in my life. My brother, yeah. my family, my sisters, my sons, my wife, all played a massive, massive part in my career and achieving what I achieved. Later on, I think it was after that fight, actually, Groves and, and Fitzpatrick uh, broke up effectively. And like Groves fairly monstered him in his comments after, a couple of years later. Like, How did you feel about that? Because obviously yourself and Paddy Fitzpatrick got on quite well as you went to him late in your career. And I'm, I don't know if you were like opposites or whatever, because you seem like kind of different kind of people, uh, yourself and, and Paddy Fitzpatrick. And maybe that mix was perfect for you guys. But obviously Groves later on was, was quite dismissive of his abilities as a trainer. His his ability as trainer was he was he was excellent, you know. I could I've been across been with a good few coaches. I can name Darren or uh, I was going to say uh, Billy Walsh, brilliant coach. Zorantia, class, you know. I had Mickey Hawkins, brilliant coach. Stephen Freil, as I said, my own coaches were Funny Hargan, uh, Nugget Nugent, who was something else as well. Bernardo Checa and then but Paddy Paddy brought a different stuff to the table. He was able to he had been boxing all his life. He'd been around uh Leila Ali, Ali and different stuff like that. So um it was uh he, to me he, he was somebody that was there with you. He like as if you were fighting, he was fighting with you in the ring. Did he have boxing savvy without a doubt? Every one of them had had a ever has had a good uh view of boxing and how you actually be coming across. So no, yeah, I think it was a bit of I need somebody to blame because I'm a loss here. I'm going to blame Fatty Fitzpatrick. The truth is, George Gove lost the fight against Barry Jack, you know, so he, he can blame whoever he wants. But uh, maybe he might not say that, but that's that's maybe just 
that's maybe the competitiveness he had that he would never it wasn't his fault for him losing and he was going to make things better. But um I, I, I personally thought you know, he, he got he got Paddy's full attention because he got Glockens gym to his own. Paddy Fitzpatrick trained me that I was over with him getting ready for that fight. So he trained me I, I, I out from that on a time on his own. So I didn't he didn't George Gold for Paddy Fitzpatrick's full attention. I, I was in the I was in the room with Paddy. I seen the paperwork that he went through, the professionalism wasn't when he getting ready for all George Gold's fights. So I know the effort that was put in. It's it's a I think it's a boxer's mentality. It's, it's not my fault I lost, it's somebody else's fault. So do you blame George for that? No, because he went on to win world titles and you know, so but was it nice they did that? No, it wasn't nice at all. Did Paddy Fitzpatrick deserve it? I don't think so. So um that's it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fair enough. Um, so, uh, like that fight took place against Toriano Johnson 2015 at Madison Square Garden. Uh, you were preparing for a comeback. You had a fight lined up with Spike O'Sullivan. You'd done plenty of rounds before in the gym, I noticed. And it probably would have been a great fight, uh, you know, a real boost to watch that fight as an Irish boxing fan. However, uh, you were preparing for the fight, a bit of a neck injury, and decided to hang up the gloves. We were in contact myself and yourself at the time. and. And that was it. You seemed to get out clean, and you know, the, the I boxed. Game. I bo- I boxed Spike in the in the amateurs, and Spike was an awesome puncher as well. He's a real badass in the ring. Um, but I liked that fight with Spike. Ah, probably a, a, a competitor of me would have liked it. Uh, I'm a fan of Spike's as well. I think he comes across really well, and uh, uh, he, he's an Irishman, so I, I would have wanted the uh, for him to win whenever I wasn't fighting him. Um, was with that fight? I don't. I don't think that fight was ever going to happen. You know, because I wasn't. There was talk of that fight happening. I think it was people around me was trying to make that fight happen to get me back into it. But I think at that stage, you know, seeing me, me and my wife and my family decided, with I think enough was enough. Uh, a neck injury was just an excuse at that stage. Just to, uh, you know, I had a bit of a neck injury, but it wasn't. It was nothing really. I think it was just. It was just an excuse for me to not seem like as if I was backing out of a fight at that stage. And I wasn't yeah. backing out of a fight. It was just boxing was at its end for me at that stage. It, it, like like Duddy had a fight with Andy Lee lined up, but he yeah. was in the gym and he, he didn't feel it. And he just said, that's yeah. it, I'm, I'm walking away. And I guess there's no, nobody can, uh, nobody can take it away from a boxer who's put 20, 30 years into a career at that stage and says, yeah. listen, I don't, I don't want to do it. I, I, I don't fancy it anymore. It's not, it's not like I didn't fancy it. It's just, you know, I had a wife and had kids. You know, I had financial responsibilities. Life sometimes just takes priority. And um, for me to go down and work my way back up to that stage again and trying to get, you know, was was going to be tough on financially for me and my wife. And so we, we thought, we just decided that enough was enough and that was it. So, the neck neck injury was just real relatively it's just like as if I wasn't trying to back out of a fight because I never would have backed out of a fight, especially as you said, it would have been some fight. I would have loved the fight with Spike. I said I fought him in the amateurs and it was a great fight then. And uh it would be a great fight again. Did you ever consider a comeback? Um all boxers to consider a comeback. I, 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 I struggled to, I struggled to to accept retirement. I struggled to fit into life. For a long time afterward, and I would strongly advise all boxers to, even if you're successful at it, 
uh, accessible of boxing, have something else that you have another interest in or another outlet, another avenue after boxing. I was lucky I had a degree, a two degrees and a master's that I was able to fall back on at my father's company that was going well. But if I didn't have that, what would I have left? What would I have left uh, if I hadn't have? Uh, and some people probably, go some people go into work and don't find it fulfilling. There's no roar from the crowd and yeah. end up falling into drink, drugs, depression. Um, I, I, I definitely struggle. I, I don't drink, I don't smoke. But uh, because, as I said, my last fight was a world title only, I wanted to be able to fight for a world title. You nearly feel like a failure. And that sounds really, I've still, you know, can still sort of get them feelings now you're talking about it, but um, and I think, think I'm proud of some of the stuff I achieved, and I should be proud of my career. But you know, it's the shoulda, woulda, coulda, never. You know, could have done more, could have done this fight differently if I, if I hadn't let Tyrion Johnson punch me in the year, if I had a different tactics, but it'd been different. But he still beat me, you know, that sort of way. But I would all the fight glove, can you know, all them questions are still, um, but you have to realize you have to be, you know. Realize what you did achieve. You know, one of the Irish titles I did do, and Ulster senior titles, and and Commonwealth Games, and Four Nations, and the IBF Intercontinental, and WBC International, and you see World Title Honor, and Prize Fighter titles. You have to be proud of, if you reflect on them things and what you did achieve and what you took out of it, and and that's what uh, I, I I look for in my comfort whenever I get them things. I can come back. I can make the weight. I can give it a go. You got away. You got away happy and healthy. You know you have. Yeah. You have yeah. that, and uh, and you graced the biggest stage in in uh, world boxing. I think you've yeah. you've a lot to be proud of. And even when I approached you to do this interview, uh, this episode of the Rocky Road, he said, "You know, what do you want to talk to me for?" Almost. I said, "Listen." <laughs> well, it does feel a bit like that, you know. You finished on the podium at the European Championships in two thousand and eight, and look at who won the gold medals: Alexander Usyk, Vasil Lomachenko. Mm-hmm. That's the company you were. Uh, yeah. You were you were mixing with at the time, and uh, and you know you did it for another decade after it as well. So, look, Eamon O'Kane, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Rocky Road. It's been brilliant. I've uh, really enjoyed talking to you, catching up. I see you at the occasional show, but uh, yeah, hey, give me a shout whenever you see me, bunk man, and uh, uh, it'd be great to get a catch up with you and, and make me not feel like as if I'm a, a just a supporter. You'll be down in Dublin for Katie Taylor's uh, fight, I'm sure. Oh, uh, definitely. I'm a fan. I'm a friend. As I say. I, how you didn't mention Kitty? What a human being! What an athlete! You know, I'm a fan. I'm a friend. I was a friend with hers in the high performance team. She is awesome. So if you ever chat to Kitty, Kitty, pass on for me. I wish her all the best in the world. She is the most beautiful human being inside and out, and uh, she is. Um, she's she's burning the star for Irish boxing and and for women boxing. So uh, I tip my hat to her because she's she's class. Did you ever think she'd be so successful? I suppose in the in the high performance she was winning all around her, but like look at yeah. now, undisputed um, world champion, pound for pound, pay per view started the lot. Uh, you, you sort of think we bought were we with professional boxing, you need to be able to talk about a crap and you need to be able to sort of be flamboyant. And it goes to show that you don't need if you've got the class, because she doesn't talk any nonsense. She's not she's I she you know, she's such a a good human being, a religious person, and she doesn't she doesn't have any of that nonsense around her. She just lets the box and uh, talk for herself. And uh, it goes to show that you don't you don't need that. You don't need all that BS around you. You can just be who you are, and that's who she is. She's just a beautiful human being. 
Right, well, look, on that note, Eamon, o- Eamon O'Kane, uh, a leader of men and women. Uh, thank you thank you very much for joining us today on the Rocky Road and look I wish you all the best you and your young family yes thank you very much Tim Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey. It's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.